Sam, why don't you make your way up here? As I mentioned earlier, Brother Sam Williams is with Northwest Haiti Christian Missions, and he's going to share that ministry with you today. We are hoping that at the end of the time that we've got a little bit of extra time for questions and answers, so listen to what he has to say, and if you have any questions, uh, we'll give some opportunity at the end for that as well. All right? All right. Thank you, Pastor Bill. How is everyone this morning? I can hear my echo, so I know my mic is on just fine. Thank you for that. Um, You're doing the same thing that, that I'm doing this morning. You're looking at me, I'm looking at you, and we're both thinking, I've seen that face even before this Sunday. Do I remember that face? Maybe you're like me, and you remember faces pretty well, and you, rena- you remember names pretty well. You just can't remember which name goes with what face, right? Now, it's a little bit easier for you. Uh, for you folks today, it's just three of us. I'll have my wife, Samantha, my daughter, Abigail. Please stand up. Neither of you are too shy. I know that. Uh, my daughter, Abigail, go right ahead. Yeah, yeah. So this is, and yeah, yeah, she's, uh, she's got a little shyness there. Go ahead, have a seat. Thank you very much. So uh, I am the executive director of Northwest Haiti Christian Mission. The last time I was here, I don't know the exact year, but it would have been probably around 2010, 2011, so it has been almost a decade. And uh, Pastor Bill and I were talking about uh, the fact that yeah, the last time I was here, I don't know if it was too much longer after... You had become Friendship Bible Church. I know at one point, uh, I think the name of the town, Randolph, was involved in the name itself. So, yes, we are one of the missions that go back, I think, about as far as most of you can remember. We were created back in the late 70s, about the same time that I was created. Uh, so I have not been around since the beginning of the organization. We've got, just to give you a sense of what we do, uh, woven into my sermon this morning, I'm going to tell you some different stories about different people in different programs across the broad scope of the mission. But suffice it to say, we are in our 40th anniversary year. 1979 is when we started, and we've been celebrating number 40 this year, and we're very proud and very thrilled to be able to throw that number out there. And some of you may have even heard stories about the beginnings of the mission So there was a group of people who went in with another mission in about 1978, and that other mission did most of its work in southern Haiti, but they took a trip up into northern Haiti. So you got this, oh, I was told I have a laser pointer, and I'm going to use it. There we go. So right here is Port-au-Prince. Most missions that you know are probably located more in Port-au-Prince and in the southern part of the island. We are way up here. That is the island of Tortuga. It's in a lot of pirate movies. If you're a history buff, you know that is a real place that has real history of pirates. We are mostly scattered along this coast. And that little finger that sticks out there is a bay that's called Mole St. Nicola. We've got a campus there as well. Mole St. Nicola was named after St. Nicholas. The story goes that Columbus found this beautiful bay on Christmas Day of whatever year it was exactly, not long after his first trip. But we've been working in Haiti all along that northwest coast for 40 years. Now, as I said earlier, I don't expect you to remember my face or name. It's a 10-year-older face than what it was last time I was here. I wish I had perfect recall to remember all of your names uh, for the next time that I come, but I know that just won't happen. 
Well, I'm going to take a look at a passage of Scripture this morning that is all about remembering who we are. We're going to look at James chapter 1, verses 19 to 27. And I'll let you take a look at that and find that in your Bibles. But while you're doing that, I'll tell you one little story. My wife will remember this. Before my daughter was even born... So one story of me not necessarily remembering faces and names happened uh, during Christmas, about 2002, 2003. So my wife has three cousins. They're three fraternal triplets, beautiful young ladies. And they would each, during their high school years, bring different boyfriends to family gatherings. And, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, there would be a parade of boyfriends that would come in. And, you know, just like any normal teen, maybe the relationship would survive for a few months or even a year. But I was used to meeting these new guys that would come in. And I remember this one particular kid. Uh, he was dating Samantha's cousin, Carrie. I really like this kid. He come in and we're playing cards. We're just having a great time. We had a lot in common. And I enjoyed Thanksgiving meeting Carrie's boyfriend. I was excited for Christmas to come around. So we go back to Grandma's house again. And I'm waiting for the triplets to come in and see the boys that they brought. And here comes his boyfriend again. I thought, oh, he made it. He survived a second holiday. Fantastic. I don't have to remember a brand new name. I walked over to him, and I said, I am so glad to see you again. It's great to see you made it to Christmas. And the whole room just went dead silent. My wife taps me. She says, that's not the same boy as was here Thanksgiving. <laughs> I recovered quickly. I said, I certainly hope you make it longer than the last guy did. <laughs> Good news is he did. That's actually the young man that Carrie married, and we still get to see him at Christmases today. But he's not the kid I played cards with. I don't know where that boy went, uh, but I wish uh, he'd come back around at some point, too. It is hard. It is hard to remember names and faces. I wish I had the kind of instant and total recall that... Some people that I've met over the years seem to have had. So James chapter 1, verses 19 to 27. I've given you some time to look it up. Verse 19 starts off, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth, and the evil that so is prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And then after looking at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom... And continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Therefore, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I love this letter that James wrote. He talks about a lot of very important issues throughout his letter of just a few short chapters. And this is just one. This is reminding us that we have to make sure we keep the main things the main things. 
and not forget the very simple principles of what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, our mission has been a light in that little corner of northwest Haiti for a long, long time. And we've had the privilege and the opportunity to minister to all kinds of different people. And I told you what I want to do is I want to tell you some stories that give you a fairly well-rounded picture through pictures of what our mission does. So last Christmas, we were focusing on a campaign to try to raise awareness that we call the Shining Lights Campaign. And what I was doing last fall, I had gone into Haiti, and I was trying to gather some different stories about different folks, some I knew, some I didn't know that well, that exemplified the way that God has been shining a light through Northwest Haiti Christian Mission through so many years. And I found this young lady here. She is in her early 20s. I didn't get her exact age. Her name is Dulcie Kathy. And you can just see here on her lap, she has a brand new baby girl named Francesca. So what I was trying to do is I wanted to find a baby who had recently been born in our birthing center. Our birthing center, since about 2000, 2001, has birthed, the last number I heard was 14,000 little babies. 14,000 in just a little bit less than 20 years. Now, what makes that even more remarkable is there are very few other places in that part of Haiti to have a baby. Francesca, were it not for our birthing center, would very likely have been born just in a hut, in a home, without any kind of sanitation provisions, maybe not even with clean water, with no one to help little Dulcie have this beautiful, precious baby. Our birthing center was created because an obstetrician came in on a mission trip in about 1998, 1997, and he was... The man in the right place at the right time, because this lady was was pregnant, she was going to deliver, and he just happened to be there and save this little baby, not this little baby, but another little baby just like her, for what probably would have resulted in a death on the first day of life. And so this man, uh, he decided he wanted to try to fundraise and gather some momentum to get a birthing facility on our campus. And within a couple of years, we had enough funds, we had enough resources, we had some staff that we were able to put into that building, and the birthing center was born. And 20 years later, over 14,000 births. And this little baby who now would be about six months old, I guess I met her two or three days after she was born back in October, lives just down the road from our main campus in St. Louis de Nord, Haiti. And her mom is somebody that we would see around campus all the time. These are faces, these two faces right here. I do love the pointer. Thank you very much, Tim. These two faces right here literally might not be filled with life were it not for a facility that God was able to provide through us to help these folks. Because you know what happens in situations where there are difficulties birthing babies. Sometimes mom doesn't make it. Sometimes baby doesn't make it. Sometimes neither one does. We take this for granted in the United States because there's a hospital everywhere. And if there's not a hospital close, there's an ambulance that will get you to a hospital. Imagine having no place to go have your baby, except maybe 
a six-hour walk, which incidentally, we've got people that will walk from six hours away or more coming from up in the mountains just to have an opportunity to have their children at our birthing center because it is the only place that they can go. So it's just one little glimpse of how God uses this ministry to raise up opportunities and provide shining lights to communities around us. Now, I want to show you this next picture here. So you've got the young, and now let me show you, well, quite frankly, the the old, the other end of the spectrum. Now, in Haitian Creole, the word that they use for elderly is grand moon. Grand moon literally means old person or big person in some context. Haitians are not into political correctness at all. And these ladies, they will gladly claim that title of grand moon, which means old person. And one reason is because there are not a lot of guarantees that a person in Haiti will make it to get that title, that label of old person. So I showed you the picture of the young little Francesca, who was only a couple of days old. Now I show you a picture of the old. I don't even know the ages. They may not even know their ages, probably in their 70s, maybe even in their 80s. These ladies here are receiving some therapy. This is a mission team that went in. I don't know exactly when this picture was taken, uh, but we have several different teams that go in all throughout the year. And this team They were doing some physical therapy. You can see she's just rubbing some lotion on her legs, trying to get the muscles to be rejuvenated. We've got about two dozen older folks that live on our main campus in a place that we lovingly refer to as the Cracker Barrel. And years ago, uh, there was someone who donated a bunch of those wonderful Cracker Barrel rocking chairs, and there they are. They've endured quite a few years of weathering. I think those chairs are at least 15 years old and have sat on that back lot and and underneath that back porch. And those ladies and, and those gentlemen just love that. We're told through this scripture that religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after who? Orphans and widows. The picture I showed you a moment ago of little Francesca, Maybe we saved her from becoming an orphan. I I don't know. There have been some that we know God has saved through our ministry from becoming orphans. These widows here are some that may not be alive today. Had not God decided, I'm going to use these folks to help these people. Well, let me tell you a story about this man here. This man's name is T. Frere. Now, I'll tell you what T. Frere means in just a moment. You'll understand how he got this name. T. Frere was from a little community, and again, if I, it'd take me a few uh, times to flip back, but you remember I showed you that map of Haiti. So way up there on the north coast near Tortuga is where we are. If you go a little bit farther south, there's this town called Shansom, which means song. Uh, Shansom is where T. Frere is from. He was a sheep herder, a goat herder, raised different kinds of livestock over his years of life, and He is the father of two girls, now grown ladies, and the loving husband of a woman that he loved from the moment that they got married. Tifrere is the youngest of four brothers, and his name literally means little brother. See, I told you, they don't get into political correctness. They call it like it is. His actual name is little brother. That's Tifrere. He's not so little anymore. Well, Tifrere's got a smile on his face today. 
But when he first came to our ministry about a decade ago, he wasn't smiling at all. T. Frere was barely holding on to life. You see, so the story goes, according to T. Frere, his wife had gotten very sick down in this town called Chanson. And eventually, for reasons that he didn't understand and will probably never know, she died. And his light, at least for a while, almost went completely out. I don't know where his daughters come into play with this story. He didn't really talk too much about where they were. I think they're at least around, and he has a relationship with them. But he lost this woman who he dearly, dearly loved. Quite frankly, he had just lost his will to live. I want to read to you in his words the way he felt when he was brought to our mission campus. He doesn't remember the exact circumstances, but he thinks one of our medical teams that come in on trips, just like from places uh, that are that are like this, they came in and, and he had been brought to the campus. Uh, they didn't know what was wrong with him, but the doctors were able to help him out, get him back some strength. And then we took him into our retirement home called the Grand Moon Home. This is what Tifer says. He says, when I arrived at the mission, I felt completely hopeless. But that all changed. My life was made to feel like light again. Now he is healthy. He is as happy as he can be. He also, another picture that I had seen uh, come out of Haiti, one of our missionaries had snapped here recently, I believe it was Steve Frere with a couple other fellows. And guess what they're raising there outside the Grand Moon home? They got some livestock. He had some goats. He had some chickens. There was even a big fat pig (laughs) that uh, was standing next to these guys. So we're able to provide them a place that they can continue life and even ministry in some ways. Beyond the years that a lot of folks in Haiti just feel like it's time to go ahead and die. Now, uh, you know, I, I, boy, I don't want to. I don't want to depress you on a beautiful day like this. But one thing that we were seeing about 15, 20 years ago, uh, the the Grand Moon Home started about the same time that the birthing center did. Is we kept coming across these older folks that were sitting on front porches and back porches of homes, and then it, they seemed to be out there all day and even into the evenings. And as you get, begin to understand culture, we come to realize that. You know, a lot of these homes, they're multi-generational living situations, and you've got mom and dad, you've got kids, maybe even grandkids, and, and you've got maybe their mom and dad. You've got 15 people living in a house that you and I would say wasn't big enough for two. There's not enough food for everybody to eat. Grandpa, T. Frere, a guy like him, he, he can't work. And so who do you got to make sure gets enough to eat in the family? Well, you got to make sure the person who provides income gets enough to eat. So dad and mom, they, they get to eat. And the kids, the stronger ones, you want to feed them. And sometimes hard decisions have to be made. And, and a guy like T. Frere may just wind up literally living on the front porch of a house, not being fed and not being clothed and not being cared for, because they don't know what else to do for him. It's not that they don't love him. It's just kind of the law of the jungle, so to speak. The weakest just doesn't make it. And, you know, we, in, our, in our culture, in the United States, one thing that we do very well is we try our best to take care of people with difficulties. You know, if there's a disability, if there's an illness, we go way out of our way to try to help uh, the marginalized of society, the folks that just have more difficulty 
doing the things that you and I consider simple in everyday routines. But we're unique on this planet. We have a lot of wealth here in the U.S., so we have the resources to provide that. But in a place like Haiti, there just isn't money. There just isn't time for an old fella like T. Frere. Well, boy, he thrives on our campus. <laughs> that Grand Moon home, they see him as one of their favorite people. And if you were to go down there and visit and just sit with them a little while, whether you can speak the language or not, whether they know a single word of English, sometimes just rocking beside somebody in front of what looks like a cracker barrel is all you need for Christian community. They'll sing, they'll dance, they'll tell jokes you didn't understand, but you'll laugh because they laughed, right? It's an amazing community, and it happens because people decide they want to follow the instructions of Jesus Christ when he says, take care of widows, take care of orphans. Verse 23 of James chapter 1 again, we're reminded, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, I, I've got some, some guys that are going to help me pass out a little, little treat for you today. Uh, you're going to love what you see when you look at this little item, okay? And I won't spoil the surprise for you. Uh, I think Tim and maybe another uh, one of the ushers, they were going to pass these out. So you in the back who get it first, don't spoil the surprise, but you'll hear the giggles. When you get this, I want you to take a look at what you see here, and uh, I think that you'll like that. So as those are being passed out, I want to tell you another story. Hey, this is an offer, part of the offering. Somebody left the dime up here. But, um, so uh, what, this, this, this just makes me laugh to think about it. So I had an opportunity years ago. My wife and I were missionaries before we had our daughter Abigail. We lived on the field there in St. Louis de Nord. Uh, but then I had an opportunity before Samantha and I got married to also serve as a missionary intern with the mission. And while I did one of those stints, I was serving as interim pastor in this Haitian church. Okay, Now, I had to do this through an interpreter because my Creole wasn't then and really isn't now good enough to preach a sermon in their language. And so I had this interpreter, and we would go through all these different exercises of congregational meetings, Bible studies, Sunday school sermons, all these things. I had my interpreter with me. His name was Roland. We became really, really close, and he traveled with me everywhere. So there's this one evening. Do you love congregational meetings? Is that something that happens here very often, Pastor Bill? Not, yeah, not, not, not so much. Yeah, the American church just doesn't do that as often. They love congregational meetings in Haiti. In fact, there's one about every month. And everybody comes because there's just not a lot else to do. And I, I, I began to just, I don't know, it's somewhere uh, between dread and really be entertained by these congregational meetings because you never knew what was going to happen. Again, Haitians, they don't mince words. They tell it like they see it, and they don't play political correctness. So I'm sitting in this congregational meeting, and there had just been... Uh, a, a devotion, I don't remember if I preached it, or it was one of the Sunday school classes, about uh, drinking, you know, drunkenness, not, be, not being given to drunkenness and, you know, how that's a problem. Uh, you don't want that to become an idol in your life. And so that was fresh on everybody's minds, 
And so we go into this congregational meeting, and and I become mentally tired after a while trying to understand all the Creole, and I would kind of checked out. I wasn't really paying attention uh, to what was being discussed, but then my interpreter leans over. He's like, "You need to you need to hear this." So what was taking place is this lady had stood up. And she's telling the elders in the church and myself, she's saying, listen, we got a guy in this congregation, he wasn't paying a bit of attention to what we talked about last week, not being a drunkard. He's walking around town all the time, and he's drinking, and he's drunk, and you can smell it, and he's stumbling, and he's just a a real mark on our congregation to all these people. And she's going on and on and on. And finally, I'm leaning the I'm like, we got to cut this off. Like, I don't... She needs to come to the leadership and, and tell us, like, hey, we got a problem. We'll deal with it. And so he, like, literally translates what I said in that moment to one of the elders and says, you know, well, we need to know who this is before we can. So he says that to the lady. And this is what she does. This is what would never happen in an American church. She goes, he's right back there. She pointed at him right in the back row, and he stands up, and he's jawing back and forth, and they're going like this. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't even know what to do. I don't know what to do here. But they're getting a kick out of it. The elders of the church, they're, yeah, we need to fight this out. And I find it's like, we're going to have to table this, and let's talk about it later. But I love how in the Haitian culture, something that I think we could learn from them is to just tell it like it is to say what it is that you're looking at in that reflection. I think most of you have that. Now, What what is the little thing I gave you? It's a little mirror. When I said, what do you see in that? You're seeing yourself. You're seeing your own face. I love this scripture because it's such a simple illustration, but it's poignant. Reading God's word and then forgetting what it was that you read and acting like you never read it, is like looking at a mirror, even a tiny one, seeing your own face, and then walking away like you don't even recognize yourself. So, and you can take those home. Yeah, put all of them together on a wall and you may have an actual normal-sized mirror. So in that room, I told you the story uh, to give time to pass out the mirrors, but also because it's one of my favorite Haiti stories. The, the guy that was drinking in town. He didn't drink anymore after that, at least not that anyone saw. He didn't want to get called out in church. But in that room, in that room was a good friend of mine. Already by that point we were friends. His name is St. Verity. St. Verity. Uh, while I was there, and again, I was just the interim pastor. I did it for about a year. While I was there, I was training some elders and deacons. That church had never had elders and deacons before. I don't know why. They just hadn't. So I was training a group of elders and deacons. I think I had two or three elders and maybe four or five deacons. One of the deacons was this fella, St. Verity. I think I have a pretty good picture of St. Verity here. He's the one in the middle. Believe it or not, St. Verity is about 45 years old. Uh, Haitian men age very well. They do. They look very good for their age a lot of times. St. Verity, about 45 years old. At that time, he would have been probably around 30 he was one of my deacon candidates. Great guy. Great family. We've actually sent his younger brother, Ifasa, on to medical school uh, on another island in the Caribbean. And he's finishing up his residency on our campus. He has to do a year of service on our campus, and then he can go on to some specialty. Uh, St. Verity has another brother that we sent to Bible college out in Nebraska. 
and he uh, serves in amazing ways. Just a wonderful family. Last name Francois. You say the Francois name in that community, and it's very highly regarded. Saint Verity, quite frankly, is my favorite of the Francois brothers. I got to know him the best. In that little group of elders and deacons that I had, little did I realize that ten years later, Saint Verity would become the pastor of that church that I was the interim of. You see? God raised him up, and I just asked for volunteers. Who would like to train to be an elder? Who would like to train to be a deacon? St. Verity was an easy choice because he just had a spotless personal morality, ethical record. I mean, you just couldn't find a person in the entire community to say even one sour word against him. And it's still that way today. Well, the guy that replaced me as pastor, he was there for about five or ten faithful years. And then when he left, his name was uh, Jimmy, St. Verity was, I, from what I've heard, almost unanimously agreed upon by the congregation to take over. It's an amazing story of, again, I, I just highlight in this same ridiculous congregational meeting that I'm just mentally checked out that got exciting, this craziness that's happening in front of me. And, and right over here to my right is sitting St. Verity, the guy who would eventually become the leader of that church. And he's grown it. I mean, he's done amazing things. And see, that's just that's another thing that I, I love about our ministry and being in the same community, serving the same families for 40 years, allows a guy like St. Verity who came up through our school system Worked in several different ministries. He worked in our pharmacy for a while. Didn't have a medical degree. He worked in our schools for a while. I'm not sure he had a teaching degree. And eventually worked his way into that pastor's role. Just a lay minister. But doing as well as any pastor we have. And so this is where you get to see the gospel played out. The way that God can transform someone's life. And St. Verity was thrilled to be able to be used as an example of a life that has been changed through the work that God does in Northwest Haiti Christian Mission. But it's only because of faithful supporters like you who are able to help us do that. Verse 25 of James chapter 1 again. But those who look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I want to share with you one last story of triumph here. It's another really good friend of mine. This fellow's name is Pierre. Now, I always knew Pierre as Dufet. Dufet is one of the young men who grew up in our orphanage. He wasn't one of the original orphans back in the late 70s, but he was part of one of the first waves of, of new kids who came in. Dufet is probably about 39, 40 years old. We took him into our orphanage, I think, when he was maybe four or five. So you're talking like, I don't know, 1985, 1986, give or take. Dufet was from a town in the middle of Haiti, what they call the central desert area. And very hot, very dry. Again, I don't know all the details of his story, but just I think he had a, a, his mother passed away and his father was still alive but couldn't really take care of him. And most families have way more kids than what we have in our culture. So he just he had no place to go. We took him into our orphanage and... Pierre grew to be a wonderful young man and decided that my mom was basically his mom. So my mother was going in on mission trips to Haiti, uh, I think 
like the fourth or fifth year that they even offered those, around 1984. And she fell in love with this young boy at that time, Pierre. And the first trip that I took going into Haiti, I was about 12 or 13, and we met uh, about 1989 and have considered each other brothers ever since. So I have had the joy of watching Pierre go from one of the kids who was a recipient and an object of ministry, the energy that God put into us so that we could put into others. I saw Pierre be somebody that we raised up and then eventually become one of the leaders of the mission. Pierre is one of our highest level leaders within the organization. He's he's uh, basically one of the two orphanage directors. We got our orphanage is split between older kids and younger kids, and he lives on the campus uh, overseeing the younger kids. So imagine that. There, there are days when he has to look into these faces of these young kids and see his own face reflected back to him because he was one of them. And now he gets the joy of being able to share and to minister to them. And I, I don't have a picture of it handy, but Pierre and I have tag-teamed a sermon on a, a few occasions, me preaching and him interpreting. Just a wonderful young man. And one that we point to to say that, God has raised up an entire generation of Christians through the organization that he planted there so long ago. Inspire hope. That is certainly something that he does in his life. Verse 22 of James chapter 1. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So my last slide here is one of a mission team that they're not in Haiti right now. Or well, let, me, let me say this again. This picture is not of a team photo uh, that was just taken. But this team, these members are actually in Haiti again this year. I think this was taken in January or February. And I didn't even realize until this morning when I was reviewing these, like these folks are in Haiti again. They're there right now. I just saw on our social media outlets wearing these same shirts with those same smiles. So we have some teams that come in more than once a year because they just can't get enough of it. What is it that you can do to help these faces that I've shown you earlier, faces like Tifer, faces like little Dulce, uh, Francesca or Mama Dulce, faces like Pierre, faces like St. Verity, what can you do to help? Well, your congregation has been a supporter for many years, and that's one thing. Just simply being part of the work here at Friendship Bible Church helps organizations like ours. But folks, we would love for you to get directly involved. There's a lot of different ways you can do that. You, you go on our website. You can find ways to sponsor children. You can find ways to help out in our birthing center Essentially, you know, give towards sponsoring births. You can give towards helping uh, older folks, those Grand Moon and our little uh, makeshift Cracker Barrel down behind the main campus. You can go on our website and help out with the gospel being spread through the many churches that we support there across that northwest zone of Haiti. But folks, what I want to focus on this morning as we kind of come to Ironically, a landing point as they sit right in front of an airplane. 
I know Pastor Bill has, has talked to me, and I'm sure he's mentioned to you, that he would like to organize a mission trip, like to get you folks out to see the world, to see what God's doing in the farthest reaches of his kingdom. Haiti is a wonderful place to start a mission trip journey. If you've always wanted to take mission trips to different places around the world, but you've never had an opportunity to, maybe you've served here in the U.S., maybe you've, you know, helped out on a Native American reservation. I, I don't know. There's, there's always somebody that's done something to help with maybe a disaster cleanup, but you've thought, I would like to go someplace overseas. Haiti is a wonderful place to start. We've been taking mission teams out through the entire existence of our organization. Over 40 years, I can't tell you how many thousands of people have come in on mission trips. We try to make it as easy as we can. We've got an on-staff travel agent who takes care of all the arrangements. If you were flying out of Cleveland, then you you would tell her, hey, uh, we're interested in going during this time frame. Cleveland's our point of origin, and then she would look at flight dates and, and schedules, uh, costs, and all those things. We try to make it as easy as we can for you to get there to serve so that you can experience God's kingdom advancing in amazing ways in a place that you never thought you'd think of as home. But let me tell you, after just a few days being there and being with those people, it's amazing where you can feel like you're home. I know that's why I kept going. Now, I wanted to give uh, some time here as we're getting close to, I think normally you guys are done at about a quarter till, and, and, and I can appreciate that, you know, hey, if we're used to being done at a certain time, that's, that's when we're used to being done. But I wanted to have a little bit of time here at the end just to offer an opportunity for you folks to, to ask questions, and I'd be thrilled to answer anything that you might be interested in. Yes, what's, what's your name? Darcy, yes. Mm-hmm. So Darcy, Darcy, right? Darcy asked the question, uh, what is the, the benefit of if you get a, a group come in for a week or two uh, from the perspective of the Haitian national, the person who lives there, what do they see as the benefit? And then I, I think it's fair, too, to speak uh, of, okay, what's the benefit of the, the trip participant, the person going in? Well, one thing that we saw, I say we, even though, I mean, I wasn't part of the mission when it first started, but one thing that, that we've seen throughout the history of the organization is it is always a reciprocal benefit. I can tell you that every single trip that has gone in has seen benefit on both sides of the relationship. So the Haitians love it when they see these teams come in because they... They understand the communities that we live and work in. They understand that these teams are the lifeblood of all the programs that we have. They understand that if we bring in a group of 20 people from a a church uh, like Friendship, there's a good chance that, you know, five or ten of them will decide to become sponsors of certain programs. And so they get that, and they want to make sure that they're hospitable and uh, that they're, you know, just sharing the love of Christ with, with you folks as you come in. So they certainly see it as a benefit. Does every single person you encounter see it as a benefit? No, because for every two or three that the ministry is able to help, there's one or two that 
well, they, I've, I've never gotten any help before, so I don't really see the benefit. But you do for the one what you would love to be able to do for, for everybody. And so if we didn't see it as something that was beneficial, we'd, we'd have stopped it years ago. But uh, we, we see the benefit, and quite frankly, the Haitian folks, I, I know St. Verity would be one of the most outspoken because he's a guy that gets up in front of people every uh, every Sunday. But I've heard him say many times in a congregational setting like this, so like literally right now, if there's a team in St. Louis, he may be saying to that group, we're so thankful that you're here today. You'll never know just how much it's meant to us. Now, on the other side of that, so if you were to go in, I'll give you my own uh, interesting little twist of a story. So first time I went, I was Abby's age, 12, 13 years old. As a kid, you know, you experience things as a kid, it's different. The second time I went, I was in college. I was never the same after that. I I I feel that even if a person is only able to go once on a mission trip to Haiti or to another place that's like that, you'll have an appreciation for your life here that is is uh, much more than what you feel now. Just the, the benefits and the blessings and the privileges you have, you'll appreciate so much more what you have here. So even if you only take one trip, you get that. But what I think happens for most people is that, oh, I want to go back. <laughs> that uh, that was a special place for me. Maybe the relationships, maybe just the experience, maybe the first time that you felt unplugged from all the craziness back home in quite a while, and it just can become addictive. So that was a long-winded way of answering, but yeah, I think there's great benefit both ways. Thank you. Yes, sir. What's your name? Bob. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've, many circumstances I've looked out at crowds um, and, and think, I just, you know, I, I suspect the, the apostles felt this when they see that crowd of 5,000 men plus women and children. Lord, how are we going to feed all these people? And little did they realize that Jesus was going to perform a miracle and feed way more than what they could have on their own. So, yeah, I, we feel that often. You know, for every little baby like Francesca that comes through, we know there's probably 25 others that just didn't make it uh, to the to the birthing center to be born. But I'll come back again and say the same thing I, I said to Darcy earlier. You know, you do for the one or the two what you wish you could do for 20 or, or, or 200, and you let God bring you those that, that he brings you. Good question. Anything else? Any other questions or anything? Those are great questions. Yeah. Um, anyone in here been to Haiti before? Mission trip to Haiti. I had a couple brief conversations with one or two of you that sounds like you've at least got family or familiarity. Okay. Yeah. Well, this would be a great opportunity to visit. So when's the last time, Pastor Bill, that uh, the congregation did some sort of an organized service or missions type of, of thing? Have you guys ever... Yeah, yeah. As as I said earlier, um, I think what I think what makes us somewhat unique, as we look around at some other organizations that do similar work, is uh, just 
taking care of all the travel arrangements seems to make a huge deal for people because you don't have to worry about how to get there and, you know, what to do once you get there. So, you know, the uh, coming in on a trip with us can look a few different ways. I mean, you can come in and, and rough it. You know, when you land in, in the capital city, you can take charter buses and uh, have a all-day drive to get up to our campus. Or if you think, nope, I want to actually I'm okay paying a little extra and do charter planes, then, you know, you trade in that eight-hour bus ride for about a 45-minute charter flight and get there a lot quicker. Uh, don't see as much of the countryside at a slow pace, but you do you see it from a little higher. So there are a lot of, we try to offer a lot of opportunities and a lot of choice for teams that come in. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you would get, so let's say that, hey, let's say we got 20 people in here today say, all right, Pastor Bill, let's get a trip going. Let's make something happen in 2020. So if you're going to schedule a trip for next June, 2020, uh, sometime during the fall, you'd want to initiate the passport process, which, you know, it's not, it's not like a, a root canal, but, you know, it is like getting your teeth filled, I guess. It can, it can take a few months, it can take a few weeks, it just depends, but the earlier you start the process, the better, you know, $100, uh, maybe a little bit more, I can't remember exactly what it is, uh, yeah, passport, and then you know we've got uh, a lot of information for travelers to look at. There are some there are some vaccinations that are a good idea for people to get. Uh, you know, uh, some sort of an anti-malarial medication is a good idea. But yeah, there's there's information. Anything else? Okay. Well, I am going to pray. I'm going to give the worship team some time to come up, and I think they're going to lead you in one last song. Father God, we thank you so much for today. Lord, just thank you so much for this opportunity to come and to to just spend some time with friends that I I only get to see uh, every few years, Lord. And I just I thank you so much personally for my family having the opportunity to come here and to share and to see, Lord, what you've done here in Randolph, Ohio. This is amazing, Lord. I literally didn't recognize the church when I drove up because uh, so much has changed and, and growth and expansion. Your your spirit is moving here, and I know that you're doing amazing things through these people, uh, through Pastor Bill and through the elders that, that lead and guide. Lord, I pray for Northwest Haiti Christian Mission and all the people that you serve through the ministry of our missionaries, uh, our our partners, and Lord, just all the people that it takes to to engage uh, in life at so many different levels and in so many different points of need. I just, again, thank you for today, this day of worship, and Lord, uh, thank you for that person that may be here today, even right now, this deciding uh, that they want to make you Lord and Savior of their lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.